0: A couple of weeks ago, I approached Pastor Bob uh, to ask him what he wanted me to talk about today for my message this morning so that I could get a little bit of a head start working on it. I was hoping he would tell me that he wanted me to talk about the Jesus way of love or hope or the Jesus way of humor. That's a sermon I want to preach, the Jesus way of humor. But instead, he looked at me dead serious and said, no, he said, I want you to talk about the way of death. The way of death. It was kind of one of those moments, literally, where time like, kind of stops. It's like, is this, a, is this a dream, or is this, real, is this real life? Is he actually wanting me to talk about the way of death? And apparently it wasn't a dream, because he followed up with me, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, the way of death. And this is a heavy topic. We just, you know, last week got off the way of submission. There's no way around the fact that this is a heavy topic. We can't sugarcoat it. Or make it light and fluffy. I'm not going to insert a bunch of jokes to somehow lighten the content of what we're going to talk about today. I'm not going to show several funny videos to distract us from what we're going to talk about. Because the truth is we need to wrestle with this material. And as most of you know, next Sunday we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But here's the other reality. There's no resurrection without death. There's no resurrection without death. And this Friday, we observe Good Friday, remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us and the fact that we've been giving life because he laid down his own life for us. And so this morning, we're going to examine how Jesus modeled the way of death throughout his ministry and throughout his time on earth and what that means for those of us who claim to follow Jesus today. And death is not an easy subject to talk about, is it? It's especially hard for us Americans, I think, because we try to avoid it. This past week, I did a little research on the anti-aging industry. I've never really looked into it much. I'm not quite at that point in my life yet. It's projected that by the year 2019, this is no joke, the anti-aging industry will be worth over $191 billion dollars. $191 billion. Plastic surgery, Botox injections, stem cell youth pills, wrinkle cream, the list goes on and on and on. Just think about how we even abstain from conversations about death. We hate funerals. At least I do, right? They're painful. They're awkward. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say to kind of comfort and grieve people at times. We struggle to face our mortality, And everything in our culture says, don't die, don't die, do whatever you got to do, live as long as you can live, live as long as you can live, don't die. And the struggle for us is that we transfer this avoidance of our physical death over to our spiritual life in Christ. We transfer this avoidance of not wanting to die physically to our spiritual life in Christ. We resist the command to lay down our life and die so that others can live. Sorry, it's heavy. It's ingrained in our culture to avoid any type of death, whether it's physical death or internal death. Pastor Jeff Vanderstelt had this to say about why Christians are afraid to die to themselves. He said, "Think about the very reasons why people don't do things. Number 1, fear of what's going to happen to us. 2. Fear of what we're going to lose. 3." Fear of what it's going to cost us for. Fear of what people will think of us. It's all avoidance of death. Look at that list. Seriously, like take a minute to look at that list. Think about those things that hold us back. Because those four sum up probably most of it. I would say for over 90% of us. How those things hold us back from wholeheartedly following Christ. We don't fully surrender every area of our life to Christ because we're scared to death of what it's going to cost us, right? What's it going to cost my time? I don't want to give up my free time. How is following Christ and laying down my life going to affect the way I spend my money? Man, I like my money. What's that going to look like? What will my family think of me if I wholeheartedly follow Christ and lay down my life? What will my friends think? Will some of my friends walk away from me? It's all avoidance of death. Giving up our pride feels like death. Giving up our ego, our reputation feels like death, and so we run from it. So keep that list up there, Todd. I want to hear from you guys. Which one on that list hinders you the most from fully laying down your life to Christ, and why? Is there one that really stands out, that holds you back from dying to yourself, and why is that the case? The floor is open. Who wants to be honest and vulnerable this morning? Some of you are so messed up. I'm sure it's all four of them. I know that it's that way for me. So, yes, Chris. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fear. Yeah, is a fear of what it's going to cost. He likes to be comfortable, and he knows. It's probably going to take him out of his comfort zone. Yeah, that's good. What else? Brady. I say fear of what people think, which makes it really hard for to say that. <laughs> yes, we're all judging you. <laughs> Yes. But it's still extremely hard to not think about what people want. Sure. Yeah. He's afraid of what people are going to think of him. Yeah. Is he crazy? Is he radical? Is he nuts? Why is he living that way? Good. Who else? Got two people that struggle. Randy. Um, For me, they all come into play at some point in time because that's the attack. Fear's a lack of faith. And if I'm honest, then each one of these things come into play at some time or another following Christ. Yeah. You know, and I have to look at each one individually as they happen to me and deal with the purpose. Yeah, sure. Prayer. But yeah, that's all That's all part of the attack from Satan. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Randy's kind of like me. It's probably all four of them just always getting attacked. That's good. What else? Anyone? One more, Phil. Yes. I would say it's- Okay. I feel like I can work at something that's really healthy and good and, and all that stuff. And yet, still, when I choose to trust God, that he, he still has the ability to go. It may be good, and it may be healthy, but it's still not what I want. For yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take away yeah. That's good. Yeah, afraid of what, of what He'll lose. Sometimes we work so hard for something. Afraid to trust that God maybe have a, might have a better way, or that all our hard work will be in vain. That's good. Probably... If I had to choose number three, would be the one that gets me the most, I'm afraid of what it's going to cost me. I like my possessions, I like my money, and I like my time. And when I think about what it means to lay down my life and what it's going to cost me in those areas, it scares me because I know what the answer is. It's going to cost me a lot of my time and a lot of my money and my energy and my resources. And so my natural instinct is to run from it. Let's see what scripture has to say about the way of death. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to John 12. It should be page 980 if you're using a pew Bible. John 12. This is a story of Jesus predicting his death to those around him. John 12, starting in verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, Jesus used many agricultural parables or stories, if you will, when he was explaining truths of the kingdom of God because the majority of the people that he spoke to when he was on earth literally worked with their hands and many of them worked with seeds. So he's speaking to them, if you're wondering, in a language that really made sense to them. And look down at verse 24. That's the one we're going to talk about. Jesus tells them, "'Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies,' It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And Jesus is essentially telling them that his death was near, and it was only through his death that many seeds could be produced, that many people could be given life. It was only through him laying down his own life that those of us back then and now for all of eternity could experience salvation, hope, and eternal life. And he had to pay the ultimate price so that we could experience and reap the benefits of those things, of his kingdom. And the same is true for those of, us, those of us who choose to put our faith in Christ today. If we choose to not lay down our lives, we're only a single seed. Just a single, selfish seed going through life with only our interest in mind. But if we die to ourselves and the selfish things that we crave and desire in this world then not only will we find life, but we can give life to those around us. Let's look at some other passages of what Scripture says about dying to ourselves and laying down our life for others. This is Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. One more. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, have died to the flesh with its passions and desires, crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to understand that life comes through death. Life comes through death. And that sounds pretty backwards, doesn't it? Does that sound backwards? Yeah. I think it especially sounds backwards for those of us that grew up in America. Because it, is, it goes against everything that we have been taught. We have been taught our whole lives to work hard, to climb up the ladders of success, to make as much money as possible, to get promotions, to have everyone like you to buy bigger, fancier, nicer things that we don't even need, live the good life and pursue it. And the thing is, when most of us actually achieve those things, people pat us on the back. But then Jesus says, hey, come and die. I don't care. He says, I, I, I don't care care about your wealth, how big your house is, any of that stuff. If you want to follow me, come and die. Why is this the case? Why did Jesus set it up in such a way? I want to actually hear from you guys. Why did he set it up in such a way that for us to have freedom and forgiveness, he had to die? Why is it that we have to die to truly find life? Why is death the path to life? Why do you think Jesus set it up that way? Any thoughts on this? Why is death the path to life in the kingdom of God? Nick, yes. Yeah, when we're not dying to ourselves, we're doing things on our own and taking matters into our own hands. Yeah, good. Any, anybody else? Why is death Phil again? That's good. Just as we don't have control over our physical death, Christ is saying, hey, just give up. You're not in control of this either. Yeah, that's good. Any other thoughts? Yes, Crystal. Yeah, yeah, when we don't die to ourselves, it's a lot harder to be humble and serve people, that's for sure, when you're only thinking about yourself, yeah. J-May. That's good, yeah, just as Jesus said when he was talking about his death, that he was going to be glorified. Maybe when we die, God can be glorified, obviously, through that he will be, and others. Yeah, that's really good. I'm sure some of you are wondering, (laughs) why would I want to die to myself? Why would I want to give up control of my life, the things that I want, the things that I love, my possessions? Justin, please tell me the benefit of dying to myself, because I'm ready to hear it. Well, here it is. When you die to yourself, you give up your self-obsession. You give up your endless pursuit of happiness. You remove yourself from the equation and stop living as though you're the center of the universe. You stop building your own kingdom and start joining God and building His. When you die to yourself, you start thinking of yourself less. And when you think of yourself less, it allows you to think of others more and live in awareness of how you can serve them and point them to our Savior. When you die to yourself, you give up your pursuit of pleasing people and feeling that you've got to prove your worth somehow because you know that your identity is already rooted in Christ's love and there is no promotion or approval or opinion that could ever change that reality. Christian professor and author Donald Ekstern wrote this about dying to ourself. Part of the life we discover when we give our lives to Christ is freedom from a life of self-obsession. As such, we experience the joy of Christ and we become more accepting, generous, and loving of others. So when we die to self, we set aside our wants and desires and instead focus on loving God and valuing others as highly As we value ourselves, this moves us away from the self centeredness and more open to being a follower of Christ who cares deeply for others. It's much easier to pay attention to the concerns, interests, and needs of other people when we are no longer obsessed with our own interests. Think about how this plays over just in real life. Consider a funeral. Or someone giving a eulogy. It's always the individual. It's always the individual that laid down their lives and served others that people remember and celebrate. Isn't it? Someone who gave their lives for other people will pack out a funeral home. I've seen it happen. The line will be out the door four blocks down from the actual funeral home. Now think of a person who passed away and their whole life was about themselves and just gaining and just complete selfishness. They never considered others. You know, how many people are showing up to those funerals? Outside a family who is obligated to be there, not many people are getting in line to celebrate the lives of those individuals. We create a much better story with our lives when we learn to lay it down. We create a life story worth remembering and celebrating when we learn to lay it down and stop living for ourselves because nobody celebrates selfish stories. Author Donald Miller said this He said, Nobody really remembers easy stories. Characters have to face their greatest fears with courage. That's what makes a good story. If you think about the stories you like the most, they probably have lots of conflict there is probably death at stake. Inner death or actual death. Consider a military example. I'll give you one more. A leader or a commander who's with his troops and he's on the front line marching with his troops as they go into combat. He's willing to put his life on the line. Now imagine that same group or unit, whatever they're called, I'm not a military person, and the commander is in the very back shouting out orders. Because he's unwilling to sacrifice. He doesn't want to die. Which leader do you think those men are going to want to follow? Self-sacrifice and servanthood inspires people. Being selfish and self-serving doesn't inspire anyone. Think of the people who have had the greatest impact on your life. Seriously, think of a specific individual, that one person who has had the greatest impact on your life. Picture their face. I bet that person laid down their life for you. They might have not physically died for you. Maybe they did. But I bet over the years, they have laid down their life for you. They gave up their time to invest in you. They probably opened up their home to you and gave up their privacy. They probably were the person that you called late at night when your life was falling apart and you sat on the phone with them till the late hours of the night as they just wept. And because that person was willing to lay down their life, you experienced hope and encouragement and support and love. I remember when I surrendered my life to Christ, I was 13 years old. I remember the location, the exact place. It was outside the church that I was going to by this old shed. My middle school pastor was praying with me. And I remember entering into that relationship with Jesus excited for the benefits of following God. Most of us are that have committed, yeah, man, forgiveness of my sins, eternity is sealed, like I'm going to heaven, right? This abundant life that Christ talked about, I wanted it, I was excited for that. But then as I continued the relationship, I realized he was asking me to lay things down. I thought maybe, I I hoped, God would be content with me just going to church And not drinking or doing drugs. But then I'd read in scripture. Someone would hurt me. And I'd read in scripture as God said, forgive your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for people who wrong you. He was telling me to lay down my bitterness. I knew God was telling me to give up some of my evenings and weekends to serve people. But I liked my free time. But he said, lay it down. I'd read in the Bible about the generosity of Christians, and it blew my mind, especially the early church, Acts 2 and 4. We kind of set 10% as a standard to reach of giving of our income. These guys gave away everything. They would probably laugh at 10% of giving. There was not one person in their churches that had a need. There was no rich or poor. They gave away everything. I knew Christians had done that for years and centuries, but how easy is it to say, you know, God, I like my money. I'll give you 2%. I might give you 3 but not much more than that because I work hard for it, right? It's my money, kind of as Dave Hines says. We have a grip on it. God's saying lay it down. And I've come to realize that nothing I have is mine anyways. My time is not mine. My money is not mine. My house is not mine. It's all God's. Who am I to be selfish with it anyway? I remember in high school, a buddy of mine asked me a question that I still think about to this day, a long time ago. It was at a time when I was obsessed with being a famous drummer. He pulled me aside, my friend Scott, and he said, Justin, if God ever asked you to do something other than being a famous drummer with your life, what would you say? And with confidence and hesitation, I said, I'd tell God no. I'd tell God he's crazy. There's no other way. I mean, he just looked at me just... He was a pastor's kid, just like, are you serious? I'd tell God no. There was no other way. I was unwilling to lay down my dreams because I thought my way was actually wiser or better or more creative or smarter than God's way. Dying to self is a continual process and journey as we mature in our faith. Most of us, all of us, want the benefits of Christ, right? Right? We want the forgiveness, the salvation, the freedom from sin, the abundant life, but we don't want to follow the path that leads to those things because it's the path of death. It's the road of death, if you will. It is the way of death. Jesus isn't content with just 70% of our heart. He's not content with 80% of our heart. He's not content with us just going to church, helping people here and there, but not being willing to surrender our will our desires, our emotions, our finances, our resources, and our energy. He's not content with just some of our heart. He wants it all. Here's what C.S. Lewis had to say about this. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. The way of death boils down to trust. It all boils down to trust. Do we trust God that dying to ourselves is truly the way to life? If we don't, we'll just do nice little Christian things, but he won't have the total surrender of our heart. We may look like good people on the outside, (laughs) nice people on the outside, but it doesn't mean that our will and dreams and desires have been laid at the feet of Jesus. Do we trust that dying to ourselves is the way to life? Can we dare to believe that the creator of the world might know what it is that will give our life meaning and purpose? Can we be so humble to admit that maybe God can do more with our life than we can do on our own? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is famous for saying When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. What do you need to die to today? What is Christ asking you to lay down at his feet? Is there a secret sin that you've been hiding? And it's time to lay it down so you can actually, for the first time in a long time, start honoring God in that area? Of your life? Is there bitterness and anger in your heart towards someone that you've been holding on to for years and God's saying, lay it down, forgive them, and make an effort to reconcile? Is it your love of money? Is God telling you it's not yours anyway? Start being generous. Lay it down. Maybe you're a slave to what people think of you. Everything you do and say is motivated by a desire to be liked by everyone. You value man's approval over God's approval. And he's asking you to lay it down. Life comes through death. What needs to die in you today? This Friday we're going to remember and observe Good Friday. We remember the humiliation and betrayal and death that Christ suffered so that each of us could be given life here and for eternity. And as we come to the communion table today here in a few minutes, we remember how Christ laid down his body to be beaten and broken for us and how he paid the price that every single one of us deserve. But we didn't have to pay it because that's the kind of God that we serve. So as you come up this morning and take the bread, which symbolizes his body, and you dip it in the juice, which symbolizes his blood, remember that just as Christ laid down his life for you, he's asking you, to lay down your life for others and give up yourself and your selfish desires. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have a few minutes of silence before the ushers in the back dismiss you guys, each by row. We're going to put up a prayer on the slides that I want you guys to read. Pray it several times if you have to, reflect on it, meditate on it, and then come up and take communion. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are good. God, this is, this command to lay down our life, God, this is not easy. But Jesus, it is the only way to follow you. God, we want all the benefits of being your children, God. But we often run from the path that leads to those things. God, it's the way of death. God, help us to be so courageous, God, and humble to give up the things that we give our life to. Seeking approval from others, pursuing the good life, trying to be rich, worried about our massive retirement accounts or whatever it might be, God, that we just put on this idol while we neglect you. God, forgive us of our greed, of our pride, of our arrogance, God, of our selfishness. God, what is it that you want from us today, God? Make it clear to each person sitting in these pews, what needs to die in us, God, so that we can find true life in you and so that others can be given life.